for once listening. It's the Vocal Minority Podcast. Oh my god, me too. <laughs> I listen to it every week. Me too, fucking up. Oh. All right, well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast. Uh, before we get started, we want to, without question, condemn the ongoing police brutality, systemic racism, racial and social injustice in all its forms that have failed to be addressed properly for so long. We stand with those raising their voices around the world this week and at all times. So initially, we weren't actually going to do a show this week because we wanted the focus to be on other voices. We come to this sport, you know, sport that we all love and support, um, and talking about it from a place of privilege. We're three white men and a white woman. Never once have we been judged or discriminated against due to the color of our skin, which is why we have a special guest on our show this week. A man that we've all known for a number of years, uh, both online and in the stadium, Mr. Mike Newell. Hello. Hello. Um, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, and then, of course, we do have the entire vocal minority panel joining us today. Mr. Duncan Fletcher. Hello. Minister Tony Walsh. Hello. Mr. Mark Hinckley. Sup. And, of course, myself, Kristen Knowles, your host. Uh, so before we um, jump right in, um, Mike, you had something that you wanted to start the show off with, and we cede the floor to you. Oh, Kristen, guys, thank you uh, first for having me and for being willing to have this conversation. It's not an easy one, um, but we have to have it and it, it won't make people feel comfortable, but this conversation isn't comfortable and um, I don't really think it should be uh, because it should be one we're having, but here we are. So the first thing I want to do is I want to say the names of black, mainly men, um, some women as well, who have <laughs> who have been murdered by police. And let's use the word murdered because they were murdered, not not an accident. You know, they were murdered, and this is all within the last five years. Um, so this isn't old ancient history. This is within all of our lifetimes. So first off, Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, Laquan Donald, Tamir Rice, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Jamar Clark, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Stephon Clark, Botham John, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, David McAtee, all of them were killed by police within the last five years. Some of these three of those names killed within the last week. Ahmad, ha Ahmad Aubrey, murdered by a father and son who believed that they had the right to snuff out that young man's life just for going on a jog in the neighborhood. And if you think this doesn't happen in Canada, that somehow we're immune to this because the protests, the, the riots, the things that you see are on the news are mainly from an American context. 
Regis, Krasinski, Paquette, Jason Collins, Alicia Hudson, DeAndre Campbell, Randy Cochran, Sean Thompson, Mukchar Madut, Nicholas Gibbs, Orlando Brown, Abdi Rahman Abdi, Andrew Loku, Jermaine Carby. All black and indigenous, indigenous Canadians murdered by the police. So I wanted to start off this conversation by acknowledging those people. My, my heart goes out to their families. Some are fresh, really fresh. Some have been a while, but nonetheless, they, those families have to deal with that for the rest of their lives. And in many of these cases, the perpetrators of these crimes have never faced justice, have never seen a day in court, and in fact have been scrubbed of any responsibility and can go on living their lives. Um, and that is hard. That is a hard thing to to live with. Sorry, I, I wasn't really going to get emotional. I didn't, or at least I didn't think I was, but here I am. So, yeah, I wanted to start off the show with that because I, I think to anybody who's listening, this is real. It is happening to people, people you know, people that you've maybe seen on the street, people you work with, people you go to the stadium with, if you're here in Toronto or wherever you're listening. It is, it is real and it is happening and it needs to stop. It needs to stop. And I, I'm not the type of person necessarily who thinks that they'll go and protest and, and, and do these type of things, but I, you just, you can't stay silent anymore and you can't be complicit anymore. It's there, you know it, you see it. Um, and if you say nothing, then you are complicit in their murder. End of story. There's no getting around that. Yeah, that, that's what I want to start off with, Kristen. So thank you for letting me do that. No, thank you. It's, um, it's something we all need to hear and something we all need to pay attention to and listen to more. And thank you, yeah, thank you for putting that, you know, for, for, it's unreal just to think that that's the number in such a short frame of time. It's not even just the number, Kristen, that, those are the people- That it happens know. at all. Yeah, the, 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 that we know about. Those are the people that got, they had, there was a body camp or there was camera footage or somebody was able to report it. I, you can't even begin to maybe imagine the amount of people that have been abused or possibly murdered by police or by people with ill means of people of color, of black people who, who never, there was no ever report, you know, it, it was, it was chalked off as something else, you know, and, and that is probably the most that should be the most mind-blowing, shocking, scary part to people who are listening to this, is that it is still happening. It is still happening. David McAtee happened this past weekend at a protest, trying to exercise his right. That's insane. That is insane. And again, to, 
yes, we're, these things happen in an American context in terms of these are what makes the news, but it happens here in Canada all the time. From, and trust me, from somebody who has experienced this themselves, yes, my, you know, I, I, I have not been, well, I'm lucky, I have not been brutalized by the police. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's just that maybe my number in the lottery hasn't come up yet. That's it. But oh my- it has happened. I know it is. Ha- I know people it has happened to um, who don't get the same platform. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it happens. It is real. And it is time to, to not just say, oh, I'm, I'm not racist or, you know, this is horrible. Uh, thoughts and prayers in a tweet. The fuck is that going to do? I'm sorry if you're not supposed to swear, but... We welcome uh, swearing. You said yeah. you'd listen to our show, Mike. Yeah. You know, that's very true. <laughs> it was right there. <laughs> I'm trying not to. I'm trying to do this in an eloquent manner that, that, that gets to people. But it, it, it is it, this is something that impacts people in this city. Um, I'm born and raised in the GTA. Um, I've been here my entire life. I'm 38 years old. I've been here my entire life. And whether it is in Toronto proper or in Peel region, um, in, in different areas of the province, it is happening. And it is happening to people of color and, and, and indigenous, indigenous people in this country. Um, and that's really from a broader social context what I want people to understand. Well, Mike, like this conversation came about because of a Twitter thread you posted detailing Mm -hmm. just a fraction of the vile things that you've experienced as a black man. And then you mentioned that you wanted to to have a conversation and we were um, very happy to be able to have this conversation with you today about, about this, about the murder of, 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 of black men and women and um, the fact that it still happens today and it happens every day and it doesn't seem to stop. And yeah, it's, thank you for pointing out that this shouldn't be a comfortable conversation and it's, it's not um, because we should all feel uncomfortable. Um, so we've got protests going on across North America, across the U.S., across Canada, spilling out into um, the rest of the globe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something that people think will will go away. You know, oh, they're just going to protest for a few days and then it'll stop. And, and it, I think what people need to understand is it's not going to. And what, what do you want, what do you want people to, to understand about the, the nature of the protests. What I want people to understand is that what we want to see is change, real change. And what does that look like? I, I think what I want people to understand is that, yeah, people are angry. And no, I, do I want to see looting? Do I want to see buildings in my city burn? No. But do I understand the anger? Do I understand 
why people feel like they need to express that anger in that way, you damn right I do. And I, part of me cannot blame them because I feel that anger too. Um, you know, and, and of course, you never want to see local businesses. Most of the, the local businesses that are, are, or most of the businesses that are impacted are small local businesses that are trying to serve their communities. Um, but the that anger, you when you when you feel like you are unheard, especially when there's evidence, especially when it's in people's faces, and you're still not heard. And there are politicians that are saying the right things and sending the right tweets and all that kind of stuff. And still nothing changes. And you may have people in your life who see what's happening and still don't want to make a change, sit on their hands, do nothing, say nothing, don't point it out. What, what, as, you know, as MLK said, you know, rioting is the language of the unheard. What could you possibly expect realistically? If, if you've tried every, you know, if you've tried every, legal channel available to you, whether it's speaking to your MP or your MPP or, you know, going to the police and the, and, and the SIU and the proper channels, even if you go out on the street and properly protest and block streets and make noise and you're still getting the backs of people. What, what, what do you where you where do you want people to go? What, what what do you want people to do? Just to to shut up and walk away and say, oh well, you know, gonna listen. I guess we'll just have to put up with it. No, of course not. You know, I, I, I always try to say to to people who are white people, you know, what would you do if I, I always just ask them to put themselves in my position if this were you. Would you just sit there and take it? Would you just would you just say, well, you know, I, I've done these two or three things and well, uh, I guess that's it. I gotta go home now and just, you know, take it every day. Of course you would. You would never do that. So why should it be different for black people and for people of color? Um and that's where that anger and that frustration and that looting comes from and yeah of course you, you know people talk about you know kids running out of nike stores with boxes of shoes and oh they're just doing it to to cop new shoes no that like you're missing the point you're you're really if that is all you're getting out of it then i'm sorry you're part of the problem you really are because you're missing the underlying anger behind why that happens um and, you know, that that's where, you know, to take 
that, that that's where becoming an ally really changes. That that's where being I'm not a racist and being anti-racist. That's where the line is drawn, right? Because somebody says they're not racist, we're like, oh well, you know, I can make you you make excuses you to to put it off to to say that, oh well, they're protesting, but well, they did this, so I guess that negates this. Anti-rate from if you come from an anti-racist lens then you understand the underlying root causes as to why these things are happening. You know, the, the questions need to be asked and reading and listening and learning needs to be done to understand why people are mad. And I mean, you know, if you felt that you were fighting for your life, which a lot of people do, right? Because if you are black and you are already marginalized just for being. Think about that. You are marginalized from the day... I marginalized from the day I left my mother's womb just for being. And then you add all these other things that get put on a black male in, today, in, 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 in society. How do you win? And how do you how do you how do you express yourself when you feel that no one is willing to listen and no one is willing to take your experiences seriously? Kristen, you mentioned the tweets that I made. Um, and look, if anybody wants to see them, feel free to follow me at Football Saves. Um, I, I tweeted those. Because I had never, other than close family and really close friends, had never really talked about those experiences because I felt they were mine, you know, and I had to safeguard those experiences. And I came to the realization that safeguarding those experiences was going to help no one. It wasn't going to help me, and it wouldn't help other black people that have experienced the same thing that are in the same position that I was in that felt like they had to hold that in. Um, and the response I've gotten from, from black people in the community, from my own family who's now seen those tweets, um, from, from other people of color, from, from white allies, from, from you guys, from other people that have, that have known about it, but but it's like, I put it this way, and I, I kind of make a joke out of it, but some white people are responding to me like they are seeing the sun for the first time. Do you know what I mean? Like they are, they knew it, but it's like, holy shit, this really is happening. And it's happening to someone I know, and it's happening to someone who either I've shared a beer with in a in a pub, talking about you know how shit Gilberto's finishing was, or hey, um, how dare I mean? you, just, sir? Right, too far. Controversy. We just had last Friday's game of the week to just give us a sample size, okay? Um, but you know, you know, or you know. We share a car ride together or a subway together or, 
you know, had, you know, had a meal together or we've hung out, like, you know, they just that idea of, oh shit, like this happens and it's real. And it's, you know, I, I it's, um, it's, a, it's been an enlightening experience for me, not from the whole, you know, racism exists, obviously I've known that my whole life, but just to, to see how, how people can see a situation for the first time and how it's now part of my, it shouldn't be my responsibility, frankly, to, to try to end racism because black people didn't start racism. We didn't make racism up. So why the hell are we trying to fix something we didn't start? But if it means shepherding people to understand how to really be anti-racist and how to try to dismantle the pillars of white supremacy, then fuck it. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta do that work. And that's kind of what I've decided I need to do both in society at large and within football, because if you're listening to this podcast and listening to me speak right now and think that football is a distraction and racism does not impact the game, I don't know what kind of football you've been watching your entire life because uh, clearly you're, you and I are not watching the same game and you and I are not seeing the same things that are happening within world football, um, but within even local football here in Toronto. Um, yeah, sorry, I don't mean to ramble on, but um, yeah, I, I think that that's that sort of, I, hopefully that answered sort of your question and where you wanted to go with that question. Yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, no, you feel free to ramble as much as you like. That wasn't rambling. That was, uh, that was great is the wrong word. Um, but that was um, something that needs to be, again, needs to be said. You know, you were obviously galvanized to make those tweets um, by, by recent events and by a lifetime of, of horrible things happening to you and people you love and people you don't even know. Um, and we've got, you know, we have a lot to talk about. Um, I know Duncan has a, has a, has a question. Yeah, I mean, basically, before we get into the football side of things, I mean, just at the start there where you're going through all the, the names of the people, I mean, I think I, I recognise like a lot more of the American names than I do the Canadian ones. I mean, do you think that's generally a problem within Canadian media and just Canada in general, that they just don't really pay attention to what's going on here and or you know, actively try and kind of just brush it under the rug and avoid it? That, that's a great question, Duncan. Um, there's a part of that, yes. I think, look, if you could ask me if I would trade places and live in the United States right now, hell no. Um, I, 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 I'm a proud Canadian. I'm a proud son of Jamaican parents. Um, and Jamaica is very close to me, both from a cultural and sort of life perspective, but also from a football perspective too, right? the national team means a lot to me as well. Um, but uh, I think that in Canada, there is this myth, and let's use that word, myth, that we somehow are above that. We are above racism. Look at 
we look at our country, we are multicultural and we are a mosaic of people. And we are, right? From a, from a physical, technical perspective, yes, we are a mosaic of people and it is, it is a beautiful thing to see. But if you dig just a little, you don't even have to dig that far. Um, there is an underpinning of some of the same structural, institutional racism that exists in the United States. And a lot of people don't see it here because they are, they are privileged to not have to see it. Um, you know, I, that goes right up to the prime minister of this country, uh, a man, you know, who has said a lot in terms of trying to fix things, especially in the indigenous realm, and has frankly fallen woefully short in delivering on those promises. And But he is a white male born into a, a political dynasty um, and is has been, it remains privileged. Um, and I'm not sure he has seen past that privilege. Um, because if he had, he would make good on those promises, especially on the inquiry on murdered Indigenous women, which has been woefully short, um, not well-funded, and the fact that you've had several chairs of that committee walk away from it, basically calling it just short of a scam, um, yeah. is 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 ridiculous and should frankly be frightening to a lot of people in this country. Um, and, a and some of those names, Duncan, that I mentioned are indigenous people that have been murdered by the police and their and their murderers have never been have never seen justice. I don't think one of them have. Or maybe one. Just off the top of my head. I'm sorry if I if I'm if I am missing something out of that, please absolutely um, educate me and inform me. But um, you know, generally speaking they have not seen seen justice. So you know, I, do, yeah, I, I think we do hide under this myth of that Canada does not see or not have a racist problem or a racism problem in this country. And you don't need to look any further than the way that we treat Indigenous people in this country, the way that we treat reserves in this country, um, the fact that there is reserves in this country that have royal water advisories are fucking kidding me mm -hmm. in this country yeah, where we had a pandemic and the government made money out of thin air and we can't go and get decent water to people i mean that's in, that's nonsense agreed right and and, and you know from from that perspective and i mean from a from an anti-black racism perspective you know you can use me as an example you can use jermaine carby as an example you know you can use andrew loku as an example a man who um you know had mental health issues and you know um before trying to de-escalate before trying to understand the situation they just killed them right because that was the easier thing to do um and in, in sort of response, you know, we I have seen so many situations in which there are white perpetrators of crime, similar crimes, worse crimes in many cases than Andrew Loku, who have had their situations de-escalated and have been arrested peacefully. Mm -hmm. With and, weapons. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. With weapons in hand, right? And, and you know, um, you know, it, it, you say that Canada doesn't have a racism problem if you're out there listening right now. A man walked into Quebec City Mosque and shot a whole bunch of people up and we can't find a way to call that domestic terrorism. That is domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and there is this, again, there's coded languages within media. I know, Duncan, you brought up the, the, the aspect of media. There are coded languages within media that that you can, once you start to really think about it, once you start to look with a critical eye, you, you, you see it. It's plain as day, right? And, and um, you know, even in this city, I mean, take take the, uh, the domestic terrorist incident just last year, right? Uh, up at near Young and near Young and Finch, right? Uh, where where there was a reluctance to use that term. You know, incel was used, obviously, but the domestic terrorism aspect was not used. But if you know, if somebody's even slightly suspected, a person of color is suspected, it's a medium terrorism especially if they're if they're Islamic or if they're of, uh, of, of Arab descent. Mm-hmm. So um, Canada is not immune, Duncan. It is not. Yep. Um, and that is just a reality that I think we all need to face. Again, that if, if we use the analogy of looking into the sun, it, it hurts. It's not good for you, but you need to look in, at it. Well, I'll say it's good for you. You need to look into the sun. <laughs> look at the mm-hmm. because... Um, if we want this country to be what I think it can be, and this is part of the reason why I made those tweets, is to, I want to fight for a country that, I want Canada to be the country that it purports that it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we, we try to bring people to this country as immigrants. We always tout that and we always say, you know, look how many immigrants we brought in and look how many people from Iran that we, that we gave asylum to. Um, be that country. We can be that country, but it, it takes work. It's going to take a lot of uncomfortable conversations in order to get there. And it's going to have to take a lot of people, a lot of people that are need to be willing to give up their privilege in order to make this happen. If, if people are unwilling to do that, then we are stuck in this, this cycle. And it, it is just... The wheel will keep on turning, and we cannot afford that wheel to keep turning. Mm-hmm. So, look into the sun, but not the Toronto sun. Yes, never, never look into the sun. Talk about coded language. Um, the rapper, the up and coming rapper who was tragically uh, oh, slain that was last week, horrible. that headline is so fucking offensive. Fringy I mean, imagine if you're that person. Like, that person has a mother. Mm. You know, that person has people that love him, and that's the headline you come up with. Get the fuck out of here, man! Like, are, like that—that's what. And again, it's the sun. We know what the sun does. We yes. know, you know, we we know who pays the bills of the people that run the sun, <laughs> but. You know, if you want coded language, if you want a lesson in coded language, and we're not talking about 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, we're talking barely a week ago. See that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
something that you 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 brought up in in you know in this conversation and obviously one of the reasons one of the things we want to talk about is uh racism in football yes and not just how it both how it impacts the the game itself from the boardroom to the stands um but how it impacts you know the 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 players uh how it how it's dealt with on a on a local scale how it's dealt with on a global scale um we were talking about uh, before we were recording uh, in the lead up to this about club management level uh and we can use mls as a that's probably the broadest frame of reference or cpl um in terms of things needing to change at a club management level and are mm-hmm. uh, you talking and I think something that we we can all look at just all you have to do is cast a glance around um, the league and see the number of uh, you know people of color in charge of teams, and you don't get very far. Nope. Um, and no. you don't have many black owners. Um, yeah, it just you know is that thing that is that sort of where we need to start from the top down? Is it having to lead down? What? Uh, do you sort of see as needing to change at the club management level? Where do we start? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it, it is a top-down um, mentality. You know that that's where we that's where from a club level that starts. It's well, first of all, you need to start from a world governing body level, right? I mean, I, uh, I know we were meant to talk later, but I mean, if FIFA, if FIFA is the message that FIFA sends to is two-faced, really, right? It says that it, it's the game is the beautiful game is used to bring people together, but when it conducts its own anti-racism task force and then shuts it down and says "job done," with every expert on its panel and those outside its panel saying "no, the work is not done." Here are the incidents that are still happening around the world, and we've seen them all, right? If you're football, if you're a football supporter, and you've watched this game in any context, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's not a this. I don't need to bring up every single incident. You, you, just Mario Balotelli. Just that's all I need to say, and I think you yep. get it, right? So, um, if if the world governing body does not see this as a serious enough manner that the head of that task force at the end didn't even bother calling a meeting for the last year and a half before it was shut down, then I'm, then what, what? how can we expect the, the governing bodies or the other governing bodies around the world, the, the confederations, you know, the FAs within each country, how are they going to take it seriously? Why should they take it seriously if FIFA is not going to take it seriously, right? Um, so from a club level... You know, if we're talking in an MLS MLS context, because it's the closest to home for us, you know, um, yeah, you talked about ownership. There are, as far as I can think off the top of my head, there are zero black owners in Major League Soccer. But that's not just a Major League Soccer problem, right? That's a problem in professional sports across the board. Absolutely. Right? There is no representation from that perspective. And that's the big thing, right? Representation. If you don't have representation at any level of your club, then you are missing. Um, and this goes for professional sport. This goes for 
just your jobs in general, the companies we all work for. Um, you know, if there's no representation at the table, then these models that have propelled and propagated anti-black or or discriminatory practices just continue because there's no impetus to change because the people that can help bring that change and help bring this conversation that we're all having right now at this table can't happen, right? Because people, do, again, they're in their privilege. They, they, they know what they know um, and they can't see the, 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 the damage their decisions could potentially make. Um, and it, it's funny, you know, uh, we're, we're all supporters of Toronto FC and, and, and MLSC itself, though people rag on MLSC, it is one of the better organizations in that regard, but it has a lot of work to do still, right? Um, and, and within Toronto FC itself, you know, how many black GMs are there in the league? Two off the top of my head, yeah. Ali Curtis and Des Hamlet for, for the Red Bulls. I'm sure I might be missing one or two, but um, it's not a lot. Um, and th I guess my question becomes, who's making those decisions and who is having chats in the boardroom that, it, that, that creates policy to make, you know, um, team policy, you know, anti-racist to make people who come into the stadium feel welcomed and work on an anti-racist platform. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to make an anti-racist platform with a bunch of white old men around the boardroom, right? Yeah. Like, like, how do you do it? I, I don't know. I mean, unless these are the wokest white people I've ever seen in my life, you know, generally speaking, that's not going to happen. And, I would, I would, I, I personally would challenge Bill Manning to this. I'm look, this work is being done um, at, 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 I'm sure there is work being done at club level for this, but make that transparent to you, to the people that pay their season tickets, um, that come to your matches, um, show a framework that supports uh, people uh, of color, um, indigenous people, um, you know, a lot of the football grounds in this country, stadiums in general in this country, um, sit on indigenous land. Um, you know, and, and that's actually funny enough. It's something in Hamilton. Um, and I know we'll come to this later that, um, both the Thai cats and forge FC and Tim Hortons field started to recognize before matches announcing that they're playing this game on indigenous land. That I that is the only stadium that I know of that has ever done that. Yeah, um, you don't hear land acknowledgement exactly. from pretty much anyone in major sport or minor sport. So that is a bare minimum start. Right. It, it, exactly. That is a bare minimum start. And um, and but but though that conversation that happened because indigenous people were at the table with you know with with the, with the group in Hamilton. Right. That's why that came about. So if you have people of color, if you have representation at the table, then you you put yourself in a, in a, a great position to build anti-racism platforms, anti-racist platforms 
for for the grounds, for for your staff, um, for for your supporters that come into the ground every day or every match day and give everything they you ask supporters to give everything for the club. And sometimes people of color don't feel like that comes back to them. And you know, that's heartbreaking to, to see and to hear and to feel because you feel the relationship becomes a one-way street. And, um, you know, I don't know about how other people of color that go to BMO Field every week feel about it. I, I do know some, I've, I've spoken to some, but, um, you know, I would love those people to reach out to me and, and tell me how they feel. And they may feel differently than me. And that's fine. I'm not the mayor of black people. I, I don't, um, I don't purport to represent um, every person. I can only talk about my own personal, my own personal feelings and personal experiences. But, you know, I think that's where we can start, where we can have that conversation and, and, and try to build something that um, starting at a club level and then hopefully building it to league level and so forth, both in, in MLS and in the Canadian Premier League, um, which is dear to my heart, um, that we can, you know, build something that is sustainable and is something that, you know, can build a, a great framework for uh, relations amongst all supporters. Because I feel that if you can build an anti-racist platform for your fans and for your staff and for everybody to come into the stadium and feel like they're one, then I think that enhances your atmosphere so much more. Uh, and again, my experiences, both as a supporter, as as, a, as somebody who has been a capital, um, I've not, not always felt like I'm welcomed um, in the stadium. And, and certain people have made me feel that way um, you're not from a club level, obviously, just people in the stands being racist shits, right? But, um, you know, I, I, that's, but that is, that, that's what people of color face going in the stadium sometimes, is that they don't feel that they, that a stadium is a safe place for them to just enjoy the game we all love. Um, and that is shit. I mean, that is really shitty. I think you, you, this city especially misses would miss that and misses that so much and um you know i think we can do such so much more to to welcome um people of color to the stadium tony you wanted to uh jump in yeah mike going back to we started talking about fifa and i mean this goes to the leagues as well any number of leagues have started initiatives embarked on studies you know you hear a lot about it when it starts and then you know, frustratingly, as you touched on, they, you know, they peter out, they become, you know, they turn into nothing but uh, some notes in a, on a paper and never to be seen again. But I mean, what do you make of the, the what happens with those? Like, do you think, I don't, I don't know, from the outside, it seems like it's either a really good PR stunt to start with because it's really on brand, you know, for maybe a league to to claim they're embarking on one of these like, you know, big changes in how they're going to treat racial relations, whether it be FIFA or in an individual league, or is it that the stakeholders, it's just a conversation when it comes, when push comes to shove that they don't want to have. It's the change is not something they are really all that interested in. In your opinion, what do you, 
maybe there's not a single answer to this, but what do you think the maybe like the biggest reason that these uh, gold ribbon studies keep you know failing to turn into anything of substance? Um, yeah, there is no one answer to that. Um, there's probably a few. Um, and again, I'm speculating. Um, I'm not obviously I'm not in those boardrooms because we just had a conversation about. <laughs> that and uh, people of color not being in those uh, positions to, to make those decisions or at least be a part of influencing those decisions. Um, part of it's part of it's money, um, right? I mean, you don't want to piss sponsors off. Um, a lot of that balance is there, right? Um, you know, I think that part of it is general, again, privilege and laziness. Right. You, 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 you start something because you, all of these probes or anti-task or the anti-racism task forces by FIFA and other FAs have always been reactionary, right? They have, how, how many, I can't even think of one that maybe you know of one that I don't know of that has been started proactive, like mm -hmm. uh, FA or a uh, confederation or FIFA itself or a league or a club proactively without having some major incident happen or some major protest happen from supporters or, or whatever. Um, basically say, yeah, okay, you know what? This is something we will tackle. Can you name one? I can't. No. Do, you th do you think that might be the sign of when things have changed? When a league or FIFA comes out and does this on their own with no reactionary, like something didn't happen in the news, but they just said, you know, this has gone on too long and we're, it's truly going to happen without being prompted by a call from any, you know, any group to, to start something like when uh, they just I take would, it upon themselves. I would love, yeah, I would love for that to happen. Do I think it will happen? Um, I think they have like, look, it, it, addressing, Addressing anti-black um, racism or uh, you know discrimination against people of color is not something. If you again, this goes back to representation in the room. If you don't have people that are of color or have that life experience in the room, then there is no impetus to start this yeah. because you don't that those people do not live in a world where this is a priority. Black lives to people in a position of power who are white, it is not a priority to them. So would it be great that an organization stood up and said, yes, we're proactively going to do that? Um, it would be, but I would be shocked if it was with a board of directors or executive committee or a CEO who was white and just says, we're going to do that. Um, I, I, I would be shocked, um, and I don't think it will happen. I think we have to push, and, um, and, and I mean really push. And when I mean push, I mean it, it's, it's impacting FIFA or CONCACAF or, you know, leagues where it hurts the most, and that, that's the pocketbook, right? Mm -hmm. That's where you, you get people to sit up and take notice. FIFA only started to sit up and take notice um, about certain things with corruption when sponsors started saying, 
I don't really like when Coke says, I don't like that. You know, when Budweiser says, I <laughs> uh, need to cut that out. Or maybe we don't, you know, put as much money into Russia 2018. You know, um, that's when they're like, holy shit, okay, we got to do something. But again, it's reactionary, right? It's because they've been pushed. Uh, so, I, 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 yes, it would be great if they could. But I'm not holding my breath on that, and that's why I think we need to 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 light a, a fire under their ass in, in that way, and and make sure that they understand that this is not something that is a passing fad. You know, I I feel this time this is not a passing fad. It's not gonna just go away and die away. I think I, that yeah, I was gonna ask you that earlier on when we first started talking. Like, do you feel like, I mean, you know, we've sadly it's been on a bit of a repetitive cycle for decades and decades but do you feel a sea change this time like yes yeah you know uh, and I'll, you know why i feel that there is a bit of a sea change i'm not saying that this is going to be a seismic we we are now going to be into the second era of the civil rights movement um i hope it is um but um why i think that it is a a change or why I, see, I feel there's a change is more white people are starting to understand. And that is, that is a sign of change. It's small. It, it doesn't move the needle nearly enough, much more, many more people need to make that change and make that movement. But it's there. The kernel, the 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 match is lit. Put it that way. Um, and the question now becomes: Do do we, as a as a community of people, um, try to nurture that and find ways to harness that into positive change, or do we take a, the Trump approach, which is? pour as much fucking kerosene on this and see how big the fire burns. Um, and that that's sort of the fork in the road that we're going to be either, either we're at right now or we're going to approach fairly soon. And I hope it goes the way that we can start to make that change without necessarily having shit burn to the ground, but I can't rule it out either. Um, and uh, I really hope that we don't have to go down that route. But uh, I think that from a footballing context, um, you know, I I I want to I want to try to impact change locally within my town, within my country, and then you know where it goes from there. I, I don't know, but um, that's where I I hopefully can see change. So talking from a like a local football level, you, you know, we mentioned we're all TFC fans, and this is this is how we met, uh, was through TFC, and we've all spent a great deal of time there for a number of years. And one of the things, you know, we talk about Canada not seeing itself as 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 racist or racist at all as the U.S. Um, Toronto also likes to hold itself up. Oh, it's such a diverse city. Look at all the different neighborhoods. Look at all the nationalities that live here, and. Toronto FC, or at least BMO Field, the marketing arm of the club, almost since its inception, is something that they like to tout. You know, look, look how diverse our fan base is, and 
you know, all for one and all of those things. And, you know, it's whether or not it's really reflected in their in their merchandising, their messaging and what they actually say. Like, remember Heritage Nights or as we used to call them, the really offensive nights um, where, you know, there was the there was the token heritage for that week that had, you know, barely a nod to the community um, exploited for the match, uh, that sort of thing. That, that's what you do it for, right? Like, yeah. trust me, as somebody who has been in football club ticket sales, that's what you're doing is you're selling tickets. I'm sorry, I'm blowing up some spots here. Um, but uh, you're doing it to, to sell tickets and fill, put butts in seats, which I understand the need to do that. Don't get me wrong. I really do. But if you're going to have those nights, and I'm sorry, Kristen, I cut you off there um, mm. in terms of the question, but um, make those heritage nights actually something. Like, actually. Well, and that was always the frustration. Yeah, it was never, sorry, go ahead. It was just, it was never, it was never more than a bit of tokenism. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think that if you're going to do that, um, then uh, you really do need to actually embrace the heritage that you're celebrating that night in a real way, not in a token way, not in a, we're going to have a guy called, uh, what's the guy that always runs around with the pizza at halftime? It's Tony oh, Pepperoni, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Club legend. <laughs> not um, friend of the show, Tony Pepperoni. No. <laughs> not Brucey, stereotyped at all. No. Brucey, I love you, buddy. Um, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, Come on, man! Like, like, get it. That's probably a marketing thing between them and Pizza Pizza, um, and that's agreed upon as a deliverable within their marketing plan. But you know, if you're going to have a Greek Heritage Night, or if you're going to have a Jamaican Heritage Night, make it real, make it substantive, and make it something that actually celebrates the culture and celebrates the people that you have sold those tickets to, right? Because I think sometimes there's a heritage night at a game. People expect one thing and then they get this other thing, whatever the fuck it is. And you're kind of like, why bother? Why don't you just sell them a bunch of group tickets and just be done with it and don't call it a heritage night, right? Just sell them group tickets and have a great time. Thank um, them on the big screen. Be done. And be done. Which is essentially what heritage nights in, in a lot of cases are. Yes, okay, maybe <laughs> you have a dance group come out at halftime. Um, but... You know, really celebrate that pre-game. I know because games games have very limited inventory in terms of time, in terms of being able to celebrate those things. And I really understand that from a game management and a game script perspective. But, um, you know, if you're going to have those nights, then you know, talk to a, a cultural, you know, institution. We're in Toronto. We got a lot of them, you know, and, and they want to talk to you. Like, don't, don't think that they don't want to talk to you. They do. Um, so, you know, find a way to make it, you know, substantive uh, to people so that, you know, if you're going to have an Italian heritage night, make it substantive, man. Really celebrate the culture. And um, and that's, that's, that's where I come from in that regard. And certainly with a, you know, with, within any, any football team, pretty much in any league around the world, but... TFC is no different. You know, there are multiple um, ethnicities represented and, you know, you can leverage those relationships. Your players are right there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you have you have outspoken players who are willing, you know, who happily will speak about their heritage and about their experiences and about, you know, the, you know, the things that um, make them, you know, that make them who they are and and the, the, the places that they represent. Um, and the relationships are already there. They're pre-built. It, it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of effort. Um, no, instead, it, it usually seems like we get platitudes instead of yeah. this. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too. If you're gonna hold these heritage nights, um, and I'm gonna use uh, I'm gonna use black uh, black people people of Caribbean heritage or of African heritage in this city. Um, if you're gonna have a night like that, use use the platform to talk about anti you know anti racist practice and talk about talk about how people in 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 the state of can be can be better allies for people, and I get it. We, we we want to use sport as an escape from real life, but sport is interacting with real life all the time. So how can you really escape, how can you separate the two? Right. I go to a football match. I am a supporter. I'm also still black. Right. That 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 doesn't get scrubbed away because I've gone into the football stadium. Right. I have been made known of that quite quite well. Um, so, you know, if you have these, like my vision of a heritage night would be, yes, okay, have, have the dancers come out at halftime, you know, have those moments. But after the game, if you do have a player that, that's, that represents that heritage or represents that person, and if they're comfortable to, to do that after the game, invite people down onto the pitch and have a, have a conversation. Or if, you know, you, you have this Rogers club. Um, or whatever it's called now at the stadium, you know, afterwards, you know, invite local artists, um, you know, that there are, are, are a ton of Jamaican and, and Caribbean and African artists in the city, you know, give that space to them to allow them to express their art, to express, um, you know, the culture and allow people to go. You know, allow people to go and 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 see that. Um, and I, I think those are some of the ways that you can start to make these nights more substantive than just you know Tony Pepperoni running around um, and, and 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 to be honest, making a mockery of of uh, of a culture. So I mean, one thing, Mike. I mean, you've mentioned there when you're capo, there's certain things that you've heard or experienced, that sort of thing. And obviously, that presumably that's mainly coming from the crowd or other supporters. But the security, whether it's like TFC employees or the actual police that are there, are they actually helpful in that respect and kind of going after the, the people that are maybe saying racist things? Or, you know, is it kind of like in real life? Yeah, the police aren't actually really all that helpful at all. And do they do a good job at BMO Field? Hmm. <laughs> yes, a tricky question there, the doctor. Um, <laughs> um, I don't think it was meant to be. <laughs> wow. Uh, that wasn't what uh, this was about. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> difficult conversations, man. Difficult conversations. Um, look, look, I've never, look, I, I know people in the security uh, at people field, they're, they're general, they are good people. Um, they, they do a, a pretty good job of, of, of making sure that we're all safe in the stands. I'll be, I will put my hand up and say that I probably have not shouted down enough of the racist shit that's happened to me in stadiums because 
I, when I decided to be a capo, when I decided that I was going to do this for Kings, um, I, I accepted that there was going to be shit that, that could happen to me. And I have, I have brought enough shoulders to be able to, to take it. I shouldn't, I know that. Um, but I, I probably should have done more to call out security and, and make and make sure those people get ejected from the stadium. And that's something that I place to do better going forward. Um, from what I've seen, um, security does do its job in that regard. However, there are times where security will not act because uh, maybe a fear of, of getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not believing somebody who said something. Um, generally in, in, in 116, and I, again, only really ex- speak to the experience of 116. I can't speak to every other section. You know, our, our, our membership has been good about pointing out people that are either causing issues physically and or you know, saying inappropriate things and, and getting and, and and getting that removed from the section. But there's always there's always a way to be better, right? There's always a way to 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 find a way to be better um, and to work better um, with security in that regard. Because I don't think I think there's this notion that supporter groups and security need to clash all the time, and that is. Simple. Case. Mm-hmm. It does not need to be that way. In fact, if the two work well together uh, with the club as well it, as a as a unit that is willing to talk and listen to each other, and I mean really listen to each other and actually take what is being said into consideration, then I think you can build a healthy relationship between the three parties. And when it comes to police. Um, if the three work together and security is in lockstep with supporter groups and vice versa, then I think the police become less of an issue because you don't need to even involve them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. I mean, I think maybe what you're saying that it's mainly going to be more on the supporters themselves are going to have to kind of like self-police because obviously if security are going to be like kind of jumping into the crowd, especially in the middle of a supporters group, there's definitely potential for that to just incite things and yes. cause bigger problems. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, do you think that's something that just, you know, whether it's supporters group or just you know, regular individual supporters that are there need to be stepping up and doing more to self-police themselves if they notice things? Yes, and 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 maybe let me be specific about that. They need mm-hmm. we as as supporters, and I'm including myself in this because I am not immune. Um, and other others that are either supporters in the South End um, or anywhere else in the state need to adopt an anti-racist framework, which means if you see something that is happening, that is anti, that is racist, that you need to point that out. It is your obligation to point that out if you are working with an anti-racist framework, right? If you're just a racist, you don't give a shit, then I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but um, if, you are, if you are not, 
if you are somebody who subscribes and have been tweeting out in in the Twitterverse and to me um, that they want to do better and, and and adopt an anti-racist framework, then you need to do that. And, it, and it's not easy. You do have to have courage to do it because you could get confronted. But that's where the relationship with security needs to come in, right? And that's where the relationship with the police that are in the stadium needs to come in, right? Because people need to be, need to feel safe enough to be able to do that. And whether it, I know there's a, there's a, uh, a text number that people can text to stadium to, to the stadium services that can report mm-hmm. people anonymously. Um, but I think people are still even afraid to do that sometimes. Right. So um, I, I think one, we need to uh, make sure that people understand and know that they have that ability to do that and not be afraid and, and to do that. Because if you can eliminate that barrier, then I think, the overall experience for people will improve as you weed out people who are not there for the right reasons, right? And um, because I I don't want to be subject, I should not go to a a football ground, any football ground, anywhere, but I'm talking locally and feel like I'm in danger because I don't know if some dude is going to come down being a racist prick or is just really drunk and want to punch my lights out because my, you know, you know, I, I absorb vitamin D out of the sun better than you. Right. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like it just, mm-hmm. but, but damn that, you and your melanin. I'm jealous. But I've been threatened with that. Right. Like that's happened to me. I've had racist shit mouth to me. They don't say it out loud. And Oh, this is the note for, for white people in the stands. If I'm if I'm if I'm cappling, um, I can tell when you're saying the N word in your mind to me. If I can look you in the eyes, you you have a face. You, you all have a face. You 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 think you can hide it really well. You can't. I see it. Um, people, black people who are listening to this right now, you know what I'm talking about. That face. It's that face of you, you can see. You can see it. You can, it's just a thing. We pick, I, I can pick up on it. But um, I've had it mouthed to me um, as I've been on the stand. You know, I have been confronted um, by people. Um, and, and I mean, I, like, look, I, again, I'm, I'm, I have big enough shoulders to be able to, to manage that. And it's never escalated into a physical altercation or anything like that. But I should never have to. And people that go to the stadium should never have to deal with that. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's, whether whether you're in the south end or if you're sitting prime midfield or in a club seat or at a suite, you should never be in a position where you feel like you, you might be subjected to that. Um, and luckily, those those incidents are generally few and far between, but one, in my opinion, is too many. Uh, and and that's where we can find a way to be better. Um, and and I think we need to give tools to people that come to the stadium. Um, you know, feel like if something is happening around them that is like that, um, then they need to be. They need to feel that they can that they can act and act in a safe manner. Because obviously, the last thing I want is 
is, you know, you know, I don't want violence in the stands. I don't need that tarring my football, right? Mm-hmm. So they're all tarring, they're all tarring me um, as an individual. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's where I go with that. Sort of to that end or similar, you were talking about, you know, going to football is supposed to be an escape, but, you know, we can't ignore what happens in the world, what is happening in the world, um, and talking about supporters groups specifically because of, uh, you know, there's a long history of, of supporter groups having having political views, shocking, um, and being anti-racist is is one of them for, for, for many of them. And, and last year with MLS, uh, with the, the controversy over the Iron Front signage and symbolism, do you... And you're talking about you know, people feeling safe, people feeling safe, you know, in anywhere in the stands. But, you know, supporter groups having to work together. And Duncan was asking about about, you know, the ability to self-police, uh, you know, supporter groups have the you know, are able to bring banners and signs into into the stands, into their sections. And yes, they're vetted by security or by the front office. But uh, do you feel that this is something that supporter groups should be able to include in their messaging, to have uh, anti-racist signage, to have Black Lives Matter signage within their sections to, you know, just to, to further the message, to further the conversation, but also to really hammer home that people are safe here. This is this is who we are and this is this is where you, you know, we shouldn't have to worry about this. No one should have to worry about this. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, um, no, no, but it, it's well, yeah, it's, it's, because... it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Like the 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 argument around the Iron Front stuff last year was so MLS. Yep. <laughs> Pure. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like when when did like didn't we fight a war about like. You know, trying to. I kind of felt like, like there was, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think that's that that's in the record books. Um, you know, I, I, yes, yes, there should be. I mean, I get, I get. You know, the only reason MLS would have a rule like that is because you're trying to protect sponsors, and you're yeah. trying to protect your money. Which, in that case, again, this goes back to the governance aspect of 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 what we were talking about. Then something needs to really fucking change. Like, if that's really what you're worried about mm-hmm. here, like, I get it. Like, who are you partnering with? If this is such a bad thing that you're worried about partners walking away, who the fuck are you partnering with? Yeah, I didn't realize Pep Boys was so far <laughs> to the right, you know? Chick fil A. Chick fil A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's favorite sponsor. Actually, funny enough, going on, uh, where was it? I can't remember. We went on a, we, a been away trip sometimes, and Chick fil A gets. Um, some prominent messaging in some clubs in the States um, for MLS. Uh, FC it, Dallas, take it out. Look, hey, 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 make a hell of a chicken sandwich, but fuck that shit. Um, true. And true. <laughs> He's right on but, both points. Yeah. Uh, but look, uh, yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. If supporter groups are going to go down that route and make those signs, don't just talk it, walk it, mean it. Mm-hmm. Actually enforce those things within your groups. Um and again, I can only talk about my group and I can only talk about the people that I know within my group. But, you know, we have to we have to walk it and we do. And 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 we're not perfect, um, you know, but, uh, you know, if if you're going to walk around with a, a Black Lives Matter banner and, and say you're anti-racist and, and fly, you know, the iron, you know, the iron front, then mean it. 
really mean it um, because, you know, it, and, and practice it because, uh, you know, people are drawn to that. People are drawn to, to, um, to, to messaging like that to, because they feel safe, right? They feel they can come to their fo- come to the football and watch and support and do the things that we love to do as supporters. Um, and they feel it's a safe space. So be sure it's a safe space and mean it. Um, and again, that that's 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 something that I would I, I, I would say to all supporter groups um, across the league and and. Um, you know, and, and a lot of groups do amazing work, right? Um, you know, there are groups that people think don't do a great job of it and actually do. Um, and, 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 um, and I think that is, uh, that's something that, you know, I would openly encourage that clubs be, be within reason, obviously. You know, you do need to check the banners, fine. Um, I get that. But, uh, you know, we need to, outwardly project to people that come to the state that this is a safe space for you um, and that, you know, uh, we will do whatever we can from a supporter perspective to make it a safe space. All right. I like that. Um, I think just because I'm looking at something that we sort of, we skip past, I'm going to circle back to for a moment. Um, you know, you're a TFC fan. Again, this is how we know you, this is how we met you. You're also um, a Forge FC fan. Um, I've seen you on their capo stand as well. And um, Alan, pulled, Alan pulled me up there. Yes, uh, I, I, I have photographic no. proof. <laughs> I kept saying no. And then he kept making it. And then eventually he just, he just whittled me down. Um, yeah, so he and, does And that. it was amazing that you were there to do it at all. I, yeah, it was awesome. Because Alan needed a break and you've got more experience than every capo we've ever had combined. <laughs> and tripled. So, like, it was nice. It was nice to be led by a pro. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, uh, Alan, you needed to hear that. <laughs> Sir, Al, Al, yeah, Alan. Uh, yeah, no, Alan's uh, is a is a good man. And um, uh, again, uh, that uh, that's not my space. That's not my space to do that. I, I do believe that you know, for the Barton Street Battalion, the amazing things they have been able to do as an organization, as a supporter group. Um, that's a space for Hamiltonians to really take and and I'm just happy to have played some small role in 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 Forge FC. <laughs> so we, we have so we have a new we have the new league and we have therefore new supporter groups um, who are just sort of you know, some of them have been together for a while. Um, obviously some have been part of other supporter groups, have supported other teams, and uh, a league that is still perhaps looking to evolve its uh, anti-racism policy or how it views handling issues. Um, and specifically, the is the year ago today, literally a year ago today, day of recording, uh, allegations of racism against one of the coaches for Forge FC, Peter Renders, uh, during a Voyager's Cup match versus Calgary were made. And... It's seemingly never been resolved, or at least not publicly. There was the initial charge of misconduct, and then an appeal that's been in place since last August. Renders is still with the team, actively with the team. He was, you know, he was on the sidelines for the final. He was at the most recent kit launch. Um, No one knows what the ultimate resolution was because no one's... No one officially has talked about it. So there's been no 
There's been no official statement from Canada Soccer, who is the disciplinary board for this overreaching uh, Campiel and the clubs. And the lack of transparency for this process, if there even was a process, um, has shown, I think, to almost to anyone, a distressing lack of regard uh, for, for fans across the league uh, and especially for, you know, fans of color. It's, it just, it boggles my mind to find out that it's still not resolved. And do you think this is something, like, we talk about transparency in sport all the time, and this is, I don't know, I don't even know what I'm trying to go with for this, but I just find this situation so close to our doorstep so frustrating. Yeah, I think I know where you're, where you're sort of going um, with this. Um, for, for full uh, transparency, for those who are not aware, um, I did work for Forge FC um, for almost two years, about a year and a bit. Um, and I was on the, I was at pitch level for that in the, the sort of melee, um, uh, for the penalty in the melee after, um, again, for full transparency, I, um, never, I, I didn't hear anything. I didn't see, um, the actual incident in question. Um, I was trying to, uh, protect cavalry players from potentially getting a, uh, a, a tall, a full, half full, tall boy to the head. Um, but um, my concern here is the lack of transparency from Canada Soccer. Right? If, if you're going to hold an investigation and you're going to come out either way, um, it, it, look, if, if Peter is innocent, uh, and um, I've had nothing but good um, interactions with Mr. Renders, and, and he's been nothing but great to me um but if there is if there is a, a decision either way then there they, that needs to be out that needs to be out in public um because there are people that are concerned about that and it speaks to um again a a sense that this is this is something racism in the game or alleged racism in the game can be swept under the rug and people will forget. And I don't want that to be the case. And obviously you don't want the game or the league such a uh, young stage to be tarred by a brush like that. But I think that if you are going to progress, uh, both as a league, um, as a national body that sanctions said league, then that that needs to be transparent and out for people to know either way. Um, and I say with you, Kristen, I am shocked that a year later that's still not out um, or that's not been made public or, or at least, you know, there hasn't been a yes, Peter is cleared or no, he is not cleared. Um, we haven't gotten anything. Yeah, just some and, kind of statement, clarification. It, it's yeah. maddening. Yeah, and look, there's, there, there may be legal aspects to that. I don't know. I don't purport to know or pretend to know. Um, but uh, something needs to be said because it is, an, it, it is an allegation of racism, and that is incredibly serious. And um, to, to sweep 
seemingly um, sweep it under the rug. Because as much as this is a serious allegation, I don't really think it takes a year to figure this out. You know, either did or didn't. Right. Uh, <laughs> no. You know. Uh, They're reviewing the tape still. Okay, there's, there's a lot of tape. Uh, you know, one soccer, great job of, you know. Um, but, um, you know, at a certain point, like, you, you do need to, to come out with it. And if, it, if, it, if the allegation is proven positive or true, then there needs to be consequences serious consequences um, for that from a, a perspective of Canada soccer laying out a a clear message to clubs across this country and to its players and its officials um, and the coaches that this is not going to be tolerated at all zero um, and if you leave this amount of ambiguity to a decision then you leave that door open. Whether you intentionally mean it or not, that door, that crack is left open. Um, and at that, at that point, you're, I think as a governing body, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing the game and the people that love it, that play it, that officiate it, that coach it, a disservice by not, um, by not really coming out and saying definitively, whether or not this is true. And even even if Peter is innocent, um, yes. the fact that this is taking so long is still not a good, is not a good sign, is not a good look. That no, because it I continues said, to hang, hang over the club. It continues to hang over his existence with the club. It's in people's minds. I see people bring it up all the time. What has yeah. happened with this? Does anybody know? And there's never a response. Right. And, and if they're... If there has been some kind of response from Canada Soccer, they have done a great job of burying it because I haven't <laughs> seen it. So, um, you know, all, all, all we're asking for, all I'm asking for is just transparency, right? Is is yes or no and why and, and what happened so that, one, the players, if this is true, that the players that have watched this, the staff at Cavalry can move on and can know that um, – that there is a measure of justice served, um, and for both for Ford FC for the club to to learn, to get better, to to improve, and for Canada Soccer to, as I said, you know, have a clear message on how these things are going to be treated. Because right now, you know, from an outsider point of view, it looks like. That this isn't really top of this is not important. That rate that an accusation of racism by one of the players in the league that you sanctioned, the top league in this country, the D one league that you sanctioned, is not important. And that in that player, that in those players that have made those allegations, their allegations are not important enough to follow up in a promptly manner, in a prompt manner, and come out with a decision publicly in a prompt manner, and. That, that's unfortunate. That is really unfortunate. Well, hopefully, uh, I don't know. I, I like to think that perhaps something will galvanize uh, them to, to change uh, enough voices speak up. We were, we were going to talk about, you know, brand messaging in the wake of, of George Floyd's murder um, and things that have been going on from various clubs. But I think we all know that they were weak brand statements, mostly bland boilerplate. Ben and Jerry's knocking out the park. 
Sorry. Oh, Ben and Jerry's, man. Ben and Jerry's for I life. I like Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I was yeah. like, holy shit. What is this? Yeah. I will buy st- I my whole freezer. It's, 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 yeah. You need to dismantle white supremacy. I was like, holy shit. Like, what? That's like, how yeah. it goes. Yeah, like that. them in the Washington Wizards, you know. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all in now. I'm, I'm back in, you know. The NFL can go fuck itself, but oh, uh, completely off a very like, short I mean, fucking period. Oh my god! But anyway, but like, yeah, no. I mean, look. At the end of the day, as I, I kind of said for for sporting groups, like if you, Ben and Jerry's, now you got to follow it up, right? It, it's great to come out with the bang, but now follow it up. Exactly. So we're we're gonna sort of we're we're coming close to the end of our show here. Um, Ultimately, we, we've talked about sort of the things, um, like the, the problems, the, the, the systemic, ongoing, decades-long, you know, problems, uh, the things that have never been fixed, the things that aren't talked about, the things that are, are swept under the rug, the, um, the, the nod to allyship, uh, just the problems that you know, we can't possibly understand because we don't experience it, but we need to be able to, we need to do more. We need to do better. Um, so ultimately like, you know, what do you think as a, as a society or as, 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 as football culture or however you want to frame it, what can we do about it? And what are we going to do about it? Um, great question. I think it's, I'll, I'll address it in a societal sense first, and then I'll address it in a football sense. From a societal sense, um, it's it's listen, it's believe, right? The, the, these experiences that you know your black friend or your 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 friend who is a person of color has told you about is real. Um, it is happening, and it is systemic, right? It's not a one-off. It, it is built within the systems in which we live right now. Um, and what can you do about it? It's, it's. I think it's, it's educating yourself. It is understanding and acknowledging that you have a privilege. You don't have to worry about walking your dog at night in a neighborhood. I do. I do every, almost every night because, and I've been living in my neighborhood for like six years, but I could get that one day where some neighbor who doesn't know me calls the police being like, why is this, this black guy's loitering outside of my house? No, it's because my dog's taking a shit, right? Like that's, that's not, I'm not loitering. I I don't want to sit in front of your house. I have to, my dog's taking shit, right? But you know, it, it, that's that's things that I have to think of. Um, and you don't, um, and and that and from a societal sense, that that's you know what you have to do. And I think also from the um, sense of anti anti racist platform, thinking from an anti racist platform, it's calling out racism when you see it, and it means yeah you might have to call out your racist auntie or uncle or cousin or brother-in-law or sister-in-law or, you know, somebody who is family who is chirping a whole bunch of nonsense. And that's hard. I, I acknowledge that that is difficult to do. I had to do it to my own father who says racist shit sometimes. Um, but you have to do it. 
because that is the only way that we see change. And you can take a lot of those things and pour it into a football sense. It, the, the two don't have to be necessarily different, right? When you're in the stands and you're watching a game and somebody, and I've heard it, calls Josie Eldor a fucking big monkey, call that shit out. Call that shit out, right? Like, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, um, uh, you know, or when, or when, you know, and this is not just me uh, as somebody who is black and uh, I am one of the few that I've seen that, that leads a supporter group or helps to lead a supporter group. If you're listening to this and you are black and you, or, or if you're a person of color and lead a supporter group or help to lead a supporter group, hit me up um, on Twitter or, or wherever, you know, at football saves, hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd love to hear about your experiences um, and, and, and help to form a framework to make, um, you know, supportership better. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, football, yeah, when you're in the stands, call it out. When, when um, you know, when, when things are happening at a club level or at a, at a, a national association level or a provincial level um, in this country, you know, call it out don't don't it, it's tough but don't be afraid to do it and know that you have an ally in me that will back you up um and you know uh from a a governance level you know locally federally provincially at club levels um you know in the professional game find ways to bring people of color into the conversation um as best you can um, because you will be, you will get so much more perspective on how to make decisions on the decisions that you do make. Um, and I think you, you just enrich your, your club so much more, um, by, by doing that. And I think what you'll also see is that you get such a great buy-in in terms of, um, how to move forward as an organization. So those are the things that I think, and I'm, there's so much more and, and, you know, we can go on talking hours about the things that people can do. But I think if you start with listen, acknowledge both your privilege and the existence and experiences of others, arm yourself with knowledge and, you know, have the courage to call out things that are wrong, that are happening around you then that's a start. It's not going to fix everything. And no one's asking you to become, you know, Martin Luther King in a day. That's not going to happen, right? But, um, you know, you will start to see, and I think you will start to feel in a more enriched experience, both in just general society, but also within football as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what I think, that's what I think, you know, people can do to start. And that's how I think we can start to, to move things in the right direction. That's great. Okay. Well, Mike, like, thank you. Just, I can't express enough how much uh, we appreciate you coming on having this conversation with us and um, a really important conversation. It's been, it's been very educational. It's been really necessary. And uh, 
please come back at any time, um, whether to talk about this uh, or other matters or just to have a pint with us. I but, just want to talk about um, the Inafuniachi Achara experience. I am on the train. Um, <laughs> get on. It looks like uh, it's going to be a great train. Uh, I want I want more 99 shirts. I think I'm being made it, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The, the football number... Uh, <sighs> Police, yeah, there he is. Curmudgeons. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I, I will allow it. Ninety nine. Bands in football. I want yeah. more uh, cover up of bald spots. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with ninety nine, just because it'll piss off people that like Wayne Gretzky. Uh, yeah. yeah, also screw <laughs> the high numbers though. Mm. No. Uh, but no, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for. I know you weren't planning a show this week, and you've put this together really quickly. But I appreciate guys listening um and giving me the space to to do this um and to anybody listening out there um i hope i've done this of justice um you know and um hey if you want to ever chat about this um or want to ally with me in some way to to make the game that we love better um then i'm i'm all ears i'm i'm willing to listen and um yeah you know you, you know you know how to get a hold of me Anytime, every time, Mike. Thanks for coming. Yeah, absolutely. On, I do. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, that that is indeed our show for this week. Um, join us next week when we return uh, the podcast to its normal, nonsensical ways. Uh, of course, the return of Belarus wins and losses. Uh, Mark, I'm very sorry. I know you had exciting news. Thank you, week. Kristen. So, Vice League, week eleven has come Mark, and gone, Mark, and Mark, I spoke next week. <laughs> Oh, come on! I won $36 on a $1 bet. It doesn't count. Why don't I get to brag about it? Gumbling pays, kids. Gumbling pays. The the, uh, patios are coming back, man. You you just, you know, take take an ally, take a a person of color out for a beer and have a chat. Hey, there you go. (laughs) If I wasn't afraid to leave the apartment for COVID, I would totally, absolutely (laughs) have that beer with you, sir. Uh, yeah, so we've got lots to talk about next week. Uh, ongoing conversations, I think, about uh, this, uh, you know, racism uh, in the world of football, but also uh, MLS uh, negotiating and how the season almost wasn't and how Don Garber has destroyed <laughs> the goodwill of the players for the next several years. Uh, Camp Yell union stuff and negotiating stuff. Yeah, it's, it's <sighs> we'll, we'll, we'll find some fun things, I swear. Um, but... Again, thanks so much to Mike Newell for being here. Uh, we've been joined by Mr. Mike Newell at Football Saves on the Twitters, uh, founder of Kings of the North Supporter Group for Toronto FC. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And the entire Vocal Minority podcast panel uh, on the Twitters at Duncan D. Fletcher, Mr. Duncan Fletcher. Hello. One last question, Mike, so we can judge you. TFC Forge, we know about world football. Who's your team? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it has been for quite some time. Oh, wait, I know this. I know this, too. You do know this. You do know this. And Duncan's only asking me this because I know he knows this. Uh, <laughs> is United. It has been United for quite some time. <laughs> Funny story behind that. How do I, how does a kid from, uh, down to you, from, from Jane Finch become a United supporter? Uh, steal satellite television. That's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Oh. There's all I can to that. <laughs> yeah. 
Would you have been happier, Duncan, if he had said Spurs? I don't know, really. <laughs> Too many. Spurs. If I said Darlington, would you be happier? I would. Yes. Yes, I would. Somebody would have answered that you question. Then I'll, then I'll... Quick, Mike, say they're your second team. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Um, to be fair, to, to to wrap this up and bring it into the uh, the overall conversation here, first ever uh, to the black professional footballer played for Darlington. I want to say his name was Arthur Wharton back in the day. Anyway, moving on. Keep going. Yep, it's important. Check for uh, Darlington. There yes. you go. On the, uh, on the tweet machine at Mueller QFC, Mr. Tony Walsh. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for the perspective. And, uh, and thank you for everyone listening and who's listened and taken something away from this. I hope it resonates. Out there on the Twitters at KitNerd, Mark with a K, not a Q, Mr. Mark Hinckley. Again, Mike, thanks again. What Tony said times two. And I like Darlington better when they had a gear in their name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. After, after, they, after they collapse, Phoenix Club. Oh, uh-huh. Low blows, low blows. It, it's kind of it's. I'm trying to find the equivalent. Of, I liked it before. I liked it when they were indie. That was the best I could do. <laughs> that's, um, some, that's some good inside knowledge, though. Yes, like there it. we go. Yeah. Um, and then for for those that are listening, sort of to add on, uh, this isn't a this podcast isn't the, okay. We've had our conversation. We're done. That's that's not what this is all about. We want to continue these conversations. So please feel free. Uh, we encourage you to in- engage with Mike, engage with us. Um, this conversation needs to keep happening. Uh, we need to keep listening and learning. So please, you reach out. Please, you know, come see us in the stands when we get to go back to the stands. You know how to find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on the entire internet at KZ Knowles. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is just the start. And it needs to just be the start because we have a lot of work to do. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, so much for participating. Uh, I've been your host, Kristen Knowles, and until next week, Canada, let's not get used to it.